This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, welcome to ST Health Check, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm your host, Joyce Teo. There is an ongoing rift between some private sector doctors and integrated shield plan insurers. The doctors are upset with insurers for maintaining panels of doctors that they call highly exclusive. So today we have invited Dr. Wang Seng-Wing, the medical director and consultant medical oncologist at the Cancer Centre, to help shed some light on this topic. Hi, Dr. Wang. Welcome to Health Check. Hello, Joyce. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, good to have you with us again. So right now, right, doctors and IP insurers, they're fighting over the insurer's use of uh, well, an exclusive panel of doctors, that's what they say. And they're also saying the selection criteria is unclear, right? You know, can you tell us more about this? Are you on any panel? Like, what's the experience like so far? Yeah, as of now, I'm on the panels of all the MediShield insurers, save for one, except for one. That particular insurer had a policy that they will only accept doctors from two particular private hospitals. And because I wasn't practicing in any of these two, so I was dropped from the list, but I'm on the rest of the panels. And um, being on a panel doesn't mean I know what is the selection criteria. Basically, it's by invitation. So I receive an invitation with terms and conditions I find acceptable. I take up the offer. Right, right. So how did they pick you? I mean, there is this talk that, you know, the panel doctors have special arrangements with the insurers, right? You know, what are some of these arrangements? Um, the, in other words, the, the letter of invitation came before any discussion, so I don't really know what drove the decision to invite uh, a particular doctor. But the, the invitation to join the panel will come with certain terms and conditions. I think the biggest is probably um, fee, a great fee framework, how, how much fee is uh, considered reasonable that the doctor on the panel can charge for particular um, medical services provided. So that is the key thing. Um, very often they will also have... Um, clause to make sure that their patients, you know, patients insured by them have a good treatment experience. For instance, there might be a provision for the time that uh, you lack between the request for an appointment and getting an appointment. So it can't be a very, very long waiting time or a few weeks. So it's okay, if we ask for an appointment, we need this time, you need to give our client an appointment because they don't want any nasty surprises. So very often they will say that, okay, if something is not an emergency, it's not urgent, we would like to be forewarned. In other words, uh, you should send in a notification for pre-approval of what is the medical condition, what needs to be done, what is expected cost, and let us know first and let us say yes. Yeah, please go ahead before you proceed. And complications can occur. And it turns out to be the treatment takes a hospitalization that is much longer than anticipated. They would like to have updates periodically from the doctors um, so that they know what is going on. So there will be all these uh, provisions. And they try to put in some quality assurance uh, markers, like for instance, um, what is the readmission rate? I mean, patients are discharged. At the point of discharge, they should be reasonably well. So if they are they have unexpected readmission shortly after uh, some of the insurance company uses that as a mark of uh, compromised care. Right. You mentioned the fee arrangements, right? How is it like? I mean, the, there is this MOH fee benchmark and people are saying that they are reimbursing. I mean, the SMA has said that they are reimbursing doctors at the lower end of the range. 
Uh, right. So I'm not certain whether they're going to modify because their uh, fee table came before the SMC fee, ca- uh, fee table. The SMC fee table was a fairly recent thing. And uh, this panel of doctors for the, for the MediShield insurers has been in existence for years. So they came up with their own fee schedule, which they think is they can accept. And the doctors, depending on whether they feel that's acceptable, there will be doctors who will take it up and doctors who decline and saying that, no, this, this is too low. So that was determined prior to SMC's uh, fee recommendation. So now that the SMC's fee recommendation has uh, been announced, I'm not certain whether some of the insurers will start to align it because uh, the alignment Currently, they are not all aligned. And it is true that for some uh, companies, the recommended fee schedule is uh, below the lowest recommended limit of the SMC guideline. So whether they will make some adjustments so that the two agrees, uh, we will have to wait and see. But the fee that's below the limit, that's already agreed, right? So other non-panel doctors are not happy with it in that sense. Um, you see, the, the panel wasn't a big issue for doctors not on the panel prior to the adjustment of the current modification of the plan, not allowing 100% coverage. And the co-payment cap is dependent on whether the doctor is a panel doctor. In the past, it, it, that wasn't the way. So in other words... Uh, Doctors don't have a very strong motivation to be on the panel because patients will come to see them anyway. The patient will still get uh, reimbursement according to their plan, whether they are on, they are seeing a panel doctor or they are not. The, the insurance companies will give them a little bit of incentives to try to move them to the panel doctors, for instance. The reason why I joined, so because the question, Joyce, you must have on your mind is that and why do I bother? So uh, I did it for the convenience of the patient seeing me because many of the companies were giving sort of extras to the patient if they see a panel doctor, for instance. Instead of having to put a deposit at point of admission to the hospital, they said, no, we will be your guarantor. You don't have to put a deposit. And at the point of discharge, hospital, the private hospitals expect you to settle the full bill a lot of the time and then submit your claims to the insurer to claim reimbursement. So, but that's, that can be a cash flow problem for the patient. And if for some of the companies, they say, all right, if you see a panel doctor, you don't have to settle the bill at the point of discharge and then put in your claim. We will settle it directly with the hospital. We will be your guarantor. So the reason why I signed on was because now the amount of reimbursement, the amount of, amount of out-of-the-pocket payment will depend on whether you are seeing a panel doctor or not. So now the patients might just really strictly pick according to who is on the panel. And doctors who are not on the panel, obviously hitting the roof for obvious reasons. It's going to make a difference to your pocket. If you pick a non-panel doctor, it's going to hurt your pocket. But it, it wasn't like this before. Before you could pick a non-panel doctor. Yes, there's a bit of inconvenience in terms of um, paying up front and then claiming it back. But ultimately, it doesn't hurt your pocket. Can you tell us in, you know, what are some of the ways that these, having this panel of doctors would affect your, uh, doctors in general? Because a lot of them are not on the panels, right? So patients might be reluctant to see them so that they actually, that may potentially impact their, 
their patient load and their case loads. And even for doctors on the panel, sometimes um, putting together a team to look after the patients become more difficult. You need more than one doctor. Because for instance, I'm a medical oncologist. I deal with immunotherapy, chemotherapy, but I can't all operate. I'm not a surgeon. If the patient's medical conditions require expertise for multiple specialty, multiple specialists, then I have to put together a team, ask colleague A or B to come on board. Uh, but now it's not just a question of whom, whom you think is the best to do this procedure for your patient or the doctor whom you have the best understanding or rapport with because two of you need to communicate to and fro to make sure that there's no information loss or no misunderstanding. Uh, so you can't just pick based on this, which is the habit previously. You have to take the consideration this partner doctor that you want to bring on board as part of the team, is that person also on the same panel that you are on? So it makes the whole you know, care of the patient more challenging to coordinate. So one of the things they said was that um, they had on numerous occasions asked the association for information on clinical quality measures, which would ultimately benefit policyholders, they say, because policyholders will receive better care. So, you know, actually, what are these clinical quality measures? That's a very good question because there's no answer. What is the correct clinical you know, indicator and how do we collect that data? For instance, in cancer, because I'm familiar with cancer. So what are we going to track? Are we going to track cure rate? Are we going to track uh, median average survival time of the patient uh, for each cancer? And because each cancer presents a different complexity and different factors which affect the survival or the cure rate, independent of who the doctor is or what the treatment is. You have to compare like with like. Then you have to decide on how to group all these patients such that you can track the parameters. It's very, very difficult to come to an agreement what to track, how to track. Is this the doctor's level of care? And how are you going to collect the data just by voluntary reporting by the doctor? How do you verify that the data is accurate? So if the insurers have access to the data to verify the accuracy, then everybody will be running foul of the Personal Data Protection Act because you know, to get that sort of granularity in the data in order to you know, make a fair judgment, all this confidentiality will be breached. And so practically speaking, uh, probably cannot be done. It sounds good. Unfortunately, the insurance companies in picking their panels will have to rely on reputation. I know it's not, it doesn't sound very scientific, reputation, because if you want to make the whole process scientific, it just makes the process way too complicated and unmanageable. So unfortunately, you just have to base it on reputation. If you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to Health Check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And now, Dr. Wong Sing Wing from the Cancer Centre will share some tips on how you can pick the IP insurer with a good panel of doctors. Policyholders are less concerned about the livelihood, you know, of doctors and you know this fight that's going on. They're actually more concerned about themselves. How do they tell if the panel provided by an IP insurer is a good one? Mm, that's right, um, because that is not defined by MOH, unlike the coverage that insurers are obliged to provide under the shoe, MediShield framework. So whereas panel of doctors, no guidelines from ministry, 
is free play for the insurance company. So that might actually differentiate one company from the next. Very often people say quality is important. It's not quantity. But to paraphrase Joseph Stalin, quantity is important to be able to find a doctor whom you want to see at the point that you you need that doctor because you wouldn't know what conditions are going to pop up down the road. So if the panel is big, at the time you need a doctor of a certain specialty, chances are you will be doing research and asking around only at that time. And when you have narrowed down, you, you feel that these are the few doctors that you want to consult. Then if the panel is uh, is big, then the chances of these doctors being on the panel is high. So you are more likely to be able to find the doctor whom you want to see after your own research. It also makes it easier for you, the doctor whom you have picked to pick his team, to look after you. Sometimes it's not a one-man show. Medicine sometimes it is a team approach. So he needs the different, different colleagues from different disciplines, different skill set to come together to deliver the entire treatment plan. So if the panel is big, then it is easier for him to, to form his A-team, so to speak, yeah, in order to to do the care. So that is one thing that you need to look at. And it is not surreptitiously uh, restricting your choices. For instance, a policyholder bought a private plan with the intention of seeking private health care. But if the panel of doctors sort of restrict your access and sort of pushes you towards having to use public facility, which wasn't your intention. Not to say that it's not good, but that wasn't your intention when you, when you bought the program. Uh, then that might be something that you want to consider. For In other words, on the panel of doctors of many of these companies, uh, not just private doctors are on the panel. Public institution doctors are also there. So if you notice that the panels have mostly public institution uh, doctors and what you want and what you intend to seek is private healthcare, then you might think that there might be an issue. In fact, there are some panels where for certain disciplines, practically all the doctors are private, uh, are public institution doctors. So if you intend to seek private healthcare at the time you need it, then this could be a stumbling block for you. You know, like you said, we don't know what kind of problems will pop up later on, right? Yeah, sort of just uh, scroll through the entire, all the different disciplines. Don't just pick one. And Apart from knowing that the proportion of doctors who are from private institution or public institution on the panel, it is also a good idea to see if all the private doctors are all from only one or two hospitals, restricted to one or two hospitals, because that could be a way without you knowing of restricting which hospital you can go to. You don't want to be restricted to particular hospitals because not every private hospital has the complete suite of facility and equipment. Yep. So they are not the same. If you are only restricted to a couple of hospitals and at that point, like you say, you don't know what condition you develop and your condition, condition need a piece of equipment that is in another hospital. But, but because the panel of doctors effectively, indirectly restrict you to a particular one or two hospitals because of the way the doctors were selected, then you end up with an issue at a point of time, you see, because you are tied to a certain hospital. So you'd be pushed to see like a, a private uh, public sector doctor? Non, no, then you are pushed to see a non-panel doctors because in order to, to make use of a particular facility in another hospital and doctors from that hospital 
are not part of your panel. So unwillingly, you end up having to see a doctor outside the panel and subjected to all the disadvantages that your policy dictates. And the final thing is quality. Yes, I I mentioned quantity has a certain quality in itself, uh, but you also don't want your healthcare outcome to be auctioned off to the lowest bidder healthcare provider, so to speak. When you're scrolling through, uh, just get an idea that particular medical fields that you know, you, you see them there, you, you get the idea, uh, uh-huh. Because you, you don't want a panel to be picked based on uh, doctors who are willing to commit to the lowest fee, the low, you know, the lowest Definitely. denominator. So you just want to make sure that the fee agreement is something reasonable that um, doctors, or key opinion leaders in their fields are willing to join the panels. Oh, right. So you mean you when you scroll through the panel to look and see whether they are senior doctors there, experienced ones? Oh, correct. Like I say, so, you know, recognizable names. So you get some idea of the quality of the, of the panel. Right. That, that's interesting. I mean, that's really helpful. But is there, isn't there like a way for, you know, the lay person to know whether, um, you know, when they're looking for a doctor, whether the doctor is actually good at handling a certain procedure or the condition that they need? Like, um, for instance, maybe the experience, like just knowing how many years of experience they have in doing a certain procedure. Wouldn't that help the patient? To some extent, um, because doctors peak, the learning curve, you know, doesn't go up and up and up forever. The, the more years of practice, and, you know, you just get better until you become X-Men. It, it doesn't happen in real life. You know, there, there's a learning curve. Then after, after that, people peak, you know, for a period of time. Then, unfortunately, I mean, aging catches up with everyone. And then, you know, there's such a thing as over the peak. And uh, how big a database you have accumulated after X number of years, uh, there's a certain talent in it. And you, it's very difficult for you to tell, right? How, how, do you, how do you spot talent? How do you tell talent? It's actually quite difficult. Right, but among doctors, is that something that's easy? In fact, a lot of the time, people just go by recommendation and go by reputation. What would you look at when you recommend a doctor? For me, what are they good at? What do they do a lot? What they only do occasionally? But that information is not available to the public. So the public can't really pick base on this. Right, okay. So I think we need a system where we can get more information, the layperson, so it's easier to actually pick the right doctor. Um, I can't imagine how we can put together, you know, that sort of database for people. I, I, I just can't fathom how <laughs> that is going to be. And uh, the gov- government is definitely there too. You know, you have to give the, the note to whatever agreement there is. And you'll notice that in this government speaking for the policymakers, so who, who's speaking up for the, for the patient? <laughs> the patient advocacy. So I think I shouldn't completely lose track of the fact that there's only one reason for why these insurers, healthcare insurers and all these doctors exist is actually to serve patients. You know, if you have pre-existing conditions, you can't just switch to another IP plan. Uh, Yes, that is going to be a major issue. Yep. Right. I hope this comes to a good solution that will benefit everybody, Hmm. including the patient. Especially the patient. (laughs) 
Thanks for your time. Thank you, Joyce. Well, that's a wrap for Health Check, a podcast series by The Straits Times. Don't forget to subscribe to us for free on your favourite smartphone apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Search for Street Times Health Check, like us and give us a rating. Thank you for listening. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.